Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Almost Here, Round the Corner Technology. And I have Nick Gogarty. Um, Nick's got a couple projects going on. And first, we're going to talk about Solar Coin. It's a uh, coin that uh, he's helped develop. And that's the first thing we'll go into. Nick, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Great to talk to you, Richard. Yeah, so tell the listeners, what is Solar Coin? You know, what are the um, parameters of the token? How does it work? Sure, sure. Basically, um, at, at its most basic, uh, the concept is to incentivize solar energy. Um, and so it, it works uh, basically like a reward uh, for solar energy producers, a little bit like air miles, um, in the fact that, hey, if you produce so much solar energy, you get one of these tokens, uh, you get this reward. And so you, uh, and it's very simple, you, you produce one megawatt hour of energy, um, you know, using your panels. Um, you submit some data that, that you know, indicates you did that, which might be a little copy-paste from your inverter or a screen capture or something like that, and then you get your token. Um, and that's about all that's, that's required. Uh, we currently distribute SolarCoin in um, 24 countries. The uh, project is two years old. Hmm. It's designed to last for 40 years. Um, and for those who are familiar with the concept of, of you know, alternative currencies a little bit or reward uh, mechanisms, um, we've produced enough of these things. Um, to give out for the next um, 40 years. And so mm-hmm. that's an estimate of how much solar energy uh, production will be we produced over the next 40 years on the planet. And so um, there's a small circulating base of these uh, coins. They're um, traded on various exchanges. One of them is actually a Swiss registered exchange um, called Lika. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing. Uh, they're currently valued at about 7 cents each. Uh, and... Hey. You know, anyone can, if you've got solar panels or a facility or if you have a solar farm, uh, you can go to the site and fill in, um, you know, fill in the form at solarcoin.org, <coughs> one word, or go to um, one of our affiliates, solarchange.co, um, et cetera. All right, well, let's, let's get into this. So how hard is it, first of all, to generate a megawatt hour of, of, of energy? Is this for, like, residential houses or big solar farms? Yeah, I'll give you an idea how much energy that is. Um, uh, you know, people usually think in terms of 100-watt bulb, right? Mm. Okay, well, if I have a 100-watt bulb on for an hour, that's 100-watt, uh, that's, you know, 0.1 kilowatt hours. A toaster is about a, about a kilowatt. So if I have that on for an hour, that's one kilowatt hour. The average home um, consumes, and that's for the heating and everything, like hot water heater, et cetera. Average home, you can roughly estimate it's about one megawatt hour. So it's a lot of energy. Um, you know, to produce that, if I were to buy it on the open market, um, would be about sixty dollars to maybe hundred, maybe let's say one hundred and eighty dollars on the on the um, the retail side. So that's a thousand kilowatt hours. And well, one, so right now, yep. one question: so a megawatt hour and what in what time period? Maybe I'm just ignorant of the units. Yeah, yeah no, a, a megawatt hour is um, one megawatt of um, uh, of energy over uh, one hour duration. So that's what a one megawatt hour is. So um, you can think of it as um, if I had one kilowatt hour, 
fridge and have that toaster running for an hour. Think of it as a thousand of those. And that's what an average uh, typical American home consumes in about um, about a month. Oh, a month. Okay. okay. Yeah. So the average home is about one megawatt hour a month. Yeah. The other interesting thing is it's equivalent to get that much energy, roughly equivalent to about a ton of coal, depending on the type of coal you're burning. So it gives you an idea of like the fuel inputs and, and all of that. So that's how much energy we're talking about. Okay. And then, so, all right. So this could be for residential people that just own a home. Yeah, yeah. And so the average residential person owns a home. They're going to have some panels on the roof. And they will be claiming over the course of a year, because of the number of panels they have on the roof, maybe 8 to 12 uh, solar coins. And so right now, for the average person, the deal doesn't sound super, super interesting. It's like, oh, I'm going to claim these things, and they're worth a buck, right? <laughs> yeah, right. a dollar a year. That's not a super interesting program. Um, you can claim, uh, going back to the start of 2010, um, and... You know, we we make a policy of not um, uh, speculating on the future or putting out um, projections of future value. But okay. uh, we can say that um, last year, um, our network, um, the number of people participating, and the value of the coin, um, you know, the, the, the price of the coin, uh, you know, was up 400%. Um, and you know, it was up more than that the year beforehand. And, and we're anticipating the growth in the number of participants this year um, to be significant. So, um, you know, it's, it's a program you can sign up for. Once you're signed up for it, it's just kind of on autopilot. You get coins sent to you every six months to a year. Okay. Um, and most people will be able to receive that for the 20 to 30 years that they, they have their solar panels. They work. But what's, okay, so I get a coin. What do I do with it? Can I redeem it for valuable prizes or, or is it just the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the amount of the token? Yeah, right, right. Original question everyone has. Uh, a couple of things. Um, you know, basically, um, it is a token. It's, it's a reward token. So what can you do with it is, um, right now, uh, the easiest thing to do is you can trade it directly into Bitcoin on exchange. And there is a fiat exchange um, that I mentioned earlier based out of Switzerland where you can trade it directly into dollars, yen, uh, British pounds, euros. And that exchange... Um, just launched. They focus on alternative assets um, that deal with uh, social and economic factors. Um, and so we were one of their first uh, tokens. And to put the, the, the outfit into context, um, the founder of that exchange um, founded what's now one of the world's largest retail foreign exchange businesses. They do about $5.5 billion a day mm. in turnover. And so they're building a very serious business there. All this stuff is very tiny. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, as the name of your podcast indicates, it's just around the corner, <laughs> effectively. Right, right. Um, but uh, we think it's going to be extremely interesting. And the group of people behind our project is, is pretty serious in terms of the level of um, team, in terms of physics and economics, um, solar energy, etc. So you know, we've got partners in Berlin, um, IBM in Tel Aviv, but one of our partners through an incubator solar energy and it was like a, a core actual project. Um, our people present the concept and some related concepts um, to senior industry folks because the world energy market is going to change radically in the next five to seven years. Uh, myself, just you know, for people who may be interested, I'm an Ivy League author uh, from Columbia University. Um, used to work with, with one of the world's largest hedge funds in technology, mm -hmm. uh, a foreign exchange dealer for one of the world's largest banks. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So. 
Well, all right. So, what's your goal with the solar coin, though? I mean, people will make a little bit of money, but you know, if I have solar in my house, I produce what I produce. It's not like, right. like you know, wh why wouldn't you go after um, energy savings or efficiency or incentivize people to use their house more efficiently or you know, cut electricity costs, that kind of thing. Right. And the goal with solar coin is actually to incentivize solar energy globally. And so right now, um, six cents per megawatt hour doesn't seem like much of an incentive. You know, we, we've got a let's say a six megawatt farm in South Africa that made a claim. You know, they got two thousand dollars for the solar coin, let's say fifteen hundred bucks. Mm. Um, but in, in the light of that project, that's not super interesting. The goal and the hope is um, that due to some interesting ways that currency works and network effects work that the value of the coin uh, gets large enough where it's interesting. So earlier I said, you know, if you were to put panels up on your roof and have them financed or whatever, right. um, the net equivalent for the cost to you to produce that megawatt hour might be anywhere from 70 to to $100. And our, our hope is that the value of the coin uh, appreciates enough so that when you're looking at putting panels, or someone is in the future looking at putting panels on their roof, um, considering 20 years worth of solar coin becomes an interesting thing. So if it's, um, you know, in, in um, uh, you know, at 10 or 20 or $30, dollars, mm -hmm. that becomes a marginal consideration that may be of interest. And so the hope is um, that through network effects and through the growth of participation and engagement, um, that happens. Now, a lot of people hear that and they say, oh, you want to grow the network of participants. Isn't this thing a... Um, it's a Ponzi scheme, and I say no. A Ponzi scheme takes dollars in, and we're not really fussed with that. We take solar information in yeah. and, um, and get participation um, that way. And so we do have some people in France um, and a few other people who are looking at starting up uh, merchant acceptance programs. So what they're going to do is they're going to go reach out to different um, uh, merchants that may be kind of more environmentally aligned um, and say, hey, accept these things at a premium price. So if someone presents one of these things, you know, say, hey, I'll give you a dollar, dollars worth on, off on your merchandise. Um, and so that's happening as well. So right now there's this low base price, you know, trading for roughly six, seven cents each. Um, there'll probably be a, a premium market that emerges um, for redeemed goods. And um, we'll see if we can boot our economy up from there. You know, we are, right. as someone said once, we're, you know, for three years into the project, we're about the same stage that uh, Bitcoin was uh, three years in. So... I don't know if those trajectories will, will hold on par, but it's an interesting analog. Right, gotcha. Um, what do you guys do with the data you collect? And what, you know, how do you... Um, um, it's all public. Uh, and so here's what we do. You know, we'll, we'll, you'll submit information to us, maybe with your name and some good things we can verify you and, and kind of have a, a know-your-customer um, relationship. That's held privately. Um, but then the actual production uh, amounts of the energy uh, will assign a unique ID to your home. Like, hey, this is this is producer one two three at this address, and then we put that out onto the uh, public blockchain. Um, and the reason we do that is because every time one of these tokens um, gets issued into into circulation, becomes a part of the economy, um, we want people to see that's the reason the token was issued into the economy. So the reason you do that is anyone holding a currency or a token or something, their concern in terms of its loss of value is, is inflation or hyperinflation. Mm. So what we do is say, look, there has to be a proof of physical work in the real world um, for that coin to go in there. And we put it in, uh, we put that data on, on the blockchain in the public database. And so 
um, people can see that it's like, hey, address one, two, three, um, you know, has five kilowatts of panels, and between period X and Y, they made, you know, a megawatt of energy. Right. Are you able to give feedback to any of the people in the system on how to, you know, oh, you know, number 123, I see that your um, production has gone way down. Maybe there's something yeah. wrong with your panel or... Yeah, that that's not something that we do, but our monitoring companies um, do. So if you had panels on your roof, let's say you had solar city panels on your roof, um, they're monitoring those typically in the production um, because they may be helping finance them. And so they are typically the ones who would give that feedback. We are looking at taking these panels, um, all of these this data and doing some interesting things with it. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we launched a project called the electricchain.org um, uh, at MIT last February. Mm-hmm. And the goal of that is, is to produce the world's largest um, solar earth monitoring instrument, something called a macroscope. So you look at something large. So there's 7 million solar producing facilities in the world, rooftops, farms, etc. There'll be about 200 million in the next five to seven years. Yeah that rapidly. Wow. Each one of those is basically an eye on the sky looking up uh, to the sun. If you know what it's expected to produce, and if you know what the weather, um, etc., and the patterns are um, on a given day, you can do um, predictive analytics to see how we can manage the grid better. You can also um, make estimates on uh, microclimates and micropollution. Um, so there are a couple of academic papers on that. So we'll end up one of the things that's a, an offshoot or almost a public service of, of solar claim is to put that data out there um, for utilities uh, or scientific use. And so we'll be building effectively a macro scope. And we are um, pursuing talks um, to see if the UN, I have some links into the UN, um, are interested in this for their uh, innovation unit, um, the group that, that's managing for the sustainable development goals. So literally you'll have a, a way of potentially live or delayed monitoring, um, see how much solar energy is produced anywhere in the world. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what's going on and, and there are lots of uh, lots of, of, of side projects and derivative projects. It's one of the lowest carbon blockchains out there. So for people who know about Bitcoin, some people complain about it because it basically consumes $600 million of electricity a year to keep it up um, to do the algorithm, right? <laughs> exactly. It's not very earth-friendly. Um, so we have a different algo we use approach, um, and what that means is we have an extremely low carbon footprint, and we have some guys even who are, who are putting this thing on, a, on what's called a Raspberry Pi computer, which runs at three watts, mm. it's equivalent to three Christmas tree bulbs, um, and they want to run them off solar so we could have a zero carbon um, blockchain. Well, I guess it would be uh, ideal if it ran off solar. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly, so it would close the Not even ironic. Yeah, we have a closed-loop economy in that, you know, if you have lots of solar claims, you can even um, take them and invest them. There's a, uh, a crowdfunding platform in South Africa for solar energy where, you know, lots of people can invest um, dollars or, or other things to, to buy solar panels. They actually accept solar coin. So you hmm. can produce um, solar coin, and let's say that, that the solar coin you produce is worth, let's say, $1,000. You can take those solar coin and you can invest them in a uh, solar energy project in South Africa, and they're currently... You know, they're currently signaling that they have, um, you know, 10% yields on that. And that's um, a project, uh, the website's called the Sun Exchange. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of a closed-loop economy where you generate the solar coin, then you reinvest them to produce more solar energy, which uh, does those things. So it, it's a radical concept for, you know, for a lot of people to have an energy-based uh, currency. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, since you know 
probably more about solar than most. Um, I don't know if this question is helpful or not, but how come people don't um, use solar energy to mine Bitcoin? Um, it's too expensive. And so Bitcoin is consolidated to a game for mining where it's, it's whoever has the cheapest energy. And so some of that is either state-subsidized or mm. um, free or hijacked, etc. Unwittingly <laughs> state-subsidized by Venezuela. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, a lot of the um, miners are in a specifically um, a large Asian country um, that, that, that has, like, you know, the, the miners, they're really like 10 miners, kind mm. of own, like, 80% of the hashing power and do 80% of the mining. Wow. And so there's huge consolidation. It's not a distributed um, system at all. Um, the original intent was to have it be distributed, democratic, etc. But doing this mining, which is calculating computational hashes, is a commodity. It's a commodity service, so it has massive returns to scale. Mm. Um, so you know, you go bigger, you get cheaper, and so there are like you know roughly ten players who are the biggest and and the cheapest. And the thing that drives cheapness primarily is the cost of electricity. So if you're located next to a hydro hydro dam, right, hydropower, and, and know somebody who knows somebody and you can get cheap hydropower, yeah. um, you have an advantage and, and then you know you win the block real quick long time. So yeah, that's why solar isn't used to mine it because it's just too expensive depending on where you're at. I mean, solar electricity can be anywhere from 10 cents to 15 cents a kilowatt hour in the developing world. Um, there are parts of the emerging world where it's all cheaper than coal hmm. and they're actually right now for solar energy it's, um, there are 30 countries in the world where solar energy is cheaper than coal and that gas and it's getting cheaper all the time. Mm. Uh, a lot of people complain about renewables and blah, blah, blah. What they don't realize is um, uh, the cost of renewable energy and the cost of these things is a moving target. Everything has a Moore's Law. Renewable energy has something called Swanson's Law, or solar specifically. Every time we double the number of panels we produce globally, the cost drops roughly 20%. Mm. So you've had a panel go from, you know, the, the panels I would have put on my roof uh, in 2007, let's say, $45,000. Now they're seven to nine grand. Really? And it's going to keep getting cheaper. And so, hmm. um, and, and that's just due to innovation and scale. And so, what ends up happening is the world market for panels grows. As it grows, it gets cheaper, which makes the market grow even faster. So, solar doesn't look big and people are like, oh, it's like two to three percent of the grid. It's growing exponentially. And so, look out. You know, it's getting cheaper than wind. It's eating cold lunch in many parts of the world. And hmm. What about, uh, you know, have you thought about extending the solar coin to wind energy or... Yeah, um, yeah, when we originally designed it, we had to think through that, and we decided early on not to do wind um, or geothermal. I have a background as, as an analyst for a financial institution in, in renewables, and um, we didn't do that because the thing that makes the currency work is the community effects. The more people who participate and engage, the more usefulness that the token has and, and the more value it represent. With wind... You know, it's a big financing thing. So a wind, you know, wind turbine, a uh, single one might be five or six million bucks. They're usually put up in farms oh, okay. run by, you know, yield codes that are $100, $200 million institutions. So you'd end up having an economy of, you know, 200 participants globally versus right now probably 7 million people and soon potentially 200 million addressable. What about rainwater collection? That's pretty low-tech and cheap. How about that? Uh, Low tech and cheap, and, and it's not something we can track easily, and it's it's not um, something we can put an energy number on. So we just tried to keep it really simple. So it's like one megawatt hour. But you know, if somebody likes what we're doing, um, go copy paste the model. You know, okay. I see some some 
thing that has a positive externality to it and is, is good, um, uh, go do that. Our own, or at least my own belief is that there are very few things in the world that have um, uh, non-diminishing returns, i.e., the more you get of them, usually the better you're off. And those are healthcare, education, and energy. Um, so we're applying the concepts of currency, which is which is itself a positive externality. We're applying that to energy, and specifically renewable energy, um, and then specifically solar due to its network dynamic. <coughs> Very good. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, what other major projects are you working on? You said there's at least two. What's what's the yeah. other one? Yeah, the other project is called Healthcoin. Healthcoin.com. We're using the same concepts from SolarCoin um, in terms of rewarding uh, positive behaviors. And HealthCoin is geared towards people with um, uh, diabetes and pre-diabetes. And it's, it's basically what it does is it takes in um, the data um, from an individual. They submit data. And it rewards them with tokens and a certificate of prevention for wherever they're at on that course line. And to put that into context, um, I'll even skip the global context, just the U.S., there are 86 million people in the U.S., who are pre-diabetic. Nine out of ten of them don't know it. Mm. Um, most of them who go to the hospital or the doctor, you know, go for the yearly physical. The current standard kind of operating procedures, your doctor looks at you, the average doctor visits 15 minutes, the doctor's talking for about ten of those, you're talking for five. The doctor will look at your chart and say, oh, it looks like your blood sugar, your HA1C went up a little bit. Okay. He'll do that year after year after year. Finally, you tip over into uh, diabetes. He says, oh, look, you've got diabetes. Um, and, and then they try to maybe manage it, and then they throw insulin at you. Um, and the reality is that prevention has huge uh, returns on investment in terms of the, the overall health of a person. Mm. So we're looking at applying the concepts of uh, a token and rewarding uh, prevention, and at the same time um, having a, a, if I give you these coins and I visibly give them to you on a blockchain, you can then, if you wish, present that. We give them in an anonymous way, so it's de-identified data, so no one will know that it's you. Okay. But if you want to, you could expose that to somebody, and you could say, look, um, I got, you, know, you could show your employer, or maybe a life insurance company or someone else, say, look, I've, I've, I've earned these things. I have either stabilized my um, pre-diabetes, or I've reversed it. Typically, it can be reversed with um, uh, changes just to diet and exercise. There's no medicine required. Right. And you can get... Um, benefits from that. What I mean by that is some insurance companies now um, will pay employees up to $1,500 for, you know, walking around with a Fitbit, signing up for the gym, etc., because it's cost savings. So there's a massive change in healthcare um, towards prevention um, as opposed to, you know, reacting uh, to treatment because it's a lot um, it's a lot cheaper to intervene earlier and people end up having healthier lives. Yeah, but what qualifies you to get a health coin? What do you have to do? Um, right now, and again, this program is just being um, uh, set up, um, you have to submit uh, five biomarkers. So uh, blood pressure, uh, LDL, HDL, uh, triglycerides, and um, an HbA1c, um, which is basically like a long uh, sugar marker. And that basically is the clinical definition of diabetes according to the uh, International Diabetes Federation, WHO, etc. So our partner program, we typically partner with either companies, the model is to partner with companies, wellness groups, etc. But if individuals want to submit um, their data, they can, and then they'll get these tokens. So we're booting up an economy. And that's, that's at the early stages, but I think it'd be profoundly interesting. The program is designed to support 
support potentially up to 100 million people. And we are in talks with um, one large government um, that has a population north of 100 million um, outside the U.S. and then two smaller governments that are fairly wealthy city-state type um, governments. And so we'll be pursuing them and speaking with our ministries of health. Um, so what happens? Every time you submit your data, you get a health coin? And how often can you submit? Um, this, the, the, what I call like the hard biomarkers, that's once every six months to a year. Um, and then if you want, you can also submit, you know, steps or, or other forms of input. Mm. What we're really interested in doing, though, is, is, is um, going around output. And the reason is um, a lot of things track your input, Fitbits and, um, you know, basic wearables. They're kind of interesting, but everyone's focused on inputs and no one's really focused on the output. And, um... Nobody really knows what works. And so our whole point of Raisin Vetra is, is to be um, focused on that output. Um, and that lets people know, hey, what's working for me? If you're an employer and you have, like, you know, three wellness programs, you're like, hey, what really works for us? Is it the Fitbit? Is it the gym? Is it, is it diet coaching? Is it, um, is it pe- leaving people alone, right? <laughs> it could be any of these things. Um, and so what we do is we say, hey, we are a simple. Health coin is a very simple um, reward and record program just reward what happened, or so you record what happened, and then you reward it with tokens. If a company wants to, or an insurer wants to say, hey, I see you've earned these tokens, and you you are willing to present them to that company, if you do want to show them, because it's all anonymous, um, but if yeah. you do want to show them or present them in either a de-identified or another basis, if there's a program in place, they may then say, oh, that's awesome. You know, you've been with us for two years, I can see you're really healthy, here's, you know, here's a rebate on your insurance. Um, and things like that. The other interesting thing is from a uh, uh, health perspective, there's an, there are two trends in health that are very, very important right now. One is called population health, where you have governments, city-states, companies, etc., looking at the health of their, their citizens and saying, hey, should we put more parks in? Should we have more, you know, uh, programs? Should we get more sidewalks in? Um, you know, is, is this insurance program working for our 100,000 employees? Some population health studies. So the data can be aggregated and used for that, again, on, on an anonymous basis, um, if the person allows it even to be used on an anonymous basis. And um, and then they can, you know, people can manage it. The flip side of medicine that's getting really radical is precision medicine, um, where, okay. you know, you are a patient. And what I mean by that is right now the way most people are treated is they're treated as, hey, there was a study done, you know, 20 years ago with, 50 people in a sample, based on that sample, which kind of matches your symptoms, we're going to give you this treatment, right? And the reality is every one of us has a unique genome, every one of us has a unique bio or microbiome, which right. is constantly changing in our gut, um, and we respond to our environment, and our bodies actually change. And so the future is going to be precision medicine, where it's a patient of one, and we understand that. And so I used to work um, in a science lab um, many years ago. One of my projects I was overseeing was supposed to be the world's largest gene gathering project back in 2000 when it was you know, 3 billion bucks to sequence a genome. Mm. That price is approaching $100 by 2022. So by that time, it'll almost, my guess is within seven years, it'll be seen as reckless not to have your genome sequenced or your kids sequenced. Wow. Um, because why would you not want to know which pain reliever works best for you or which antibiotic may be more effective, right? If that information is out there and it's actually cheaper to get your genome sequenced than to have a blood lab run, um, that'll become standard. So 
we're designing HealthPoint to support um, uh, the capability for person wants you to keep their own genome or to keep any of their clinical records on a blockchain. Um, and then again, if they want to, they can also, on a de-identified basis or an anonymous basis, if they want to, they can donate it um, or sell the data to research. So we're setting up what we call a, a research commons or a pool um, where people can put that data in um, to help, let's say, the advancement of precision medicine. Because medicine right now is incredibly crude, very, very basic. I, I study some of the, the randomized controlled trials and, and the way things are set up and, and you know, treating the entire population of 7 million people, you know, using a model that was, you know, 50 European guys 30 years ago. Um, yeah. So why wouldn't you... Um, you can do better. We can do better, I can say that. Yeah, so why wouldn't you take the, uh, <clears throat> the anonymized health coin data but look at the anonymized data and see what the trends are and all the markers, you know... Yeah as people use the service. I mean, are you doing that or you're not using um, any of the data? We won't be doing that, but what we'll do is we'll allow partners to do that. And those partners might be um, educational institutions, um, could be pharma, could be others. And what we'll do is we will allow the individual um, person who's submitting that data determine whether whether they want to, to give it or to sell it and to whom, because it's their data. And so we have, um, you know, we have a very patient-centric view of the world for HealthCoin, mm. and it's puts them at the center and gives them total control um, on when and what they do with their data. But we think, um, you know, for those who do submit to, let's say, the, the global macroscope of health, um, it's going to be super interesting. So imagine being able to watch, you know, a state, a country, a county um, progress from, towards, um, et cetera, uh, diabetes in almost a, a you know, almost quasi-real lifetime. That's super interesting for researchers. And it also builds what's called a, a longitudinal record. So instead of just doing a, um, you know, finding 100 people for a trial, running a test, and then saying, okay, here's the outcome, maybe you go back and, and another researcher can find the same 100 people and, and test them five years later. Mm -hmm. Maybe understand what's the impact of, of long-term exposure to um, a treatment or a behavior or other things. So we're trying to advance both precision and population medicine um, using a blockchain. Very interesting. How many um, calories are in a health coin, by the way? <laughs> I, have, I, I have no idea. I'd have to work it back. And, and the weird thing is, um, a calorie is a terrible measurement for so many things because every one of us um, metabolizes a calorie in a different way depending on where our microbiome is. So there's this, this crude analysis. I'll just go there a little bit with you. But, sure. Um, you know, 3,500 calories in a pound, right? Um, it's based on almost no science. And so there have been studies where, you know, one person only... 3,500 calories of, of X, let's say it's barbecue or whatever. Someone else is the same. Their weight gain, retention, et cetera, can be difference. And that's just one example of how crude our um, our, our state of science is um, on, on, on something as basic as, as a calorie metabolism and how we treat diet. So one of the big future things is going to be analyzing your microbiome in real time. Uh, something a lot of people don't know is um, the human body has 37 trillion cells in it, roughly. And 90% um, of those aren't human cells. They're bacteria. Hmm. Uh, I had to prematurely end the interview with Nick Gogarty, so this is it for now. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, 
virtual reality, and more. 